This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the mom room. Please take your shoes off at the door because I'm Canadian and we take our shoes off. I just saw this post about how Khloe Kardashian makes people put shoe covers on their shoes to go in the house. And in my mind, I'm like, why don't you just take your shoes off? It's so bizarre to me. And is it everywhere in the U.S. that they keep their shoes on? It must just be in the locations where it's always nice weather because I can't imagine people wearing their winter boots inside. Like in New York, do you keep your shoes on? Anyways, this episode is not about footwear. Today's episode is definitely one of my favorites. I loved speaking with Jessica. She, you know when you talk to someone and you're like, wow, they're really good at talking and formulating their thoughts and reflecting on things and answering questions. That's exactly Jessica. And I know at the end of the episode, I was like, have you been to therapy? Because I was just so impressed. Turns out it's not therapy. She's just impressive. I will let Jessica explain her story because she does it so well. But in a nutshell, just so that you understand what this episode is about and what her story is about, Jessica was married to Steve. They were once happily married, but two years into their marriage, Steve came out and told her that he was gay. They decided to remain together for a little while. They had a child, a daughter named Penny. Steve ended up having an affair. They got a divorce. Jessica is now remarried. While there was turmoil for a little bit, they now co-parent beautifully and have this amazing blended family life. I forgot to mention that both Jessica and Steve were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which doesn't recognize same-sex relationships or marriages. Jessica is still a part of the church, while Steve is not. And of course, I had to ask all about that because I found that to be super interesting and wondering how they handled that because they do have a daughter together who is being raised in that church as well. So without further ado, please enjoy this incredible episode and welcome Jessica Frew to the Mom Room Podcast. So today I'm speaking with Jessica Frew, who has an incredible story that I was just reading about all morning. So to start, I thought you could just kind of give us a rundown of your story, and then I can pop in with questions as they come up. Sounds great. It's always funny when people ask me to tell my story. I'm like, I know right where they want me to start. Like, I figured out this is where my life gets interesting because I had a relatively idyllic childhood, which I am so grateful for. I was raised in a very conservative Christian religion. We are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mormons, LDS, however you know that. I preface this too, that my ex-husband and my current husband were both raised in that church as well. So it gives a little bit of context to where we're going. So... When I started college, I was a vocal performance major, and I had to go to this choir concert one night, and I did not want to be there. I'm sitting in the pews, and I'm like, I'm just going to leave. And then as I'm getting ready to leave, this group of women walk down the aisle, and I can't get out. And they file into the seats in front of me and they have one tall, really good looking guy at the end of the group and there was not room for him. And so he had to come sit by me and I was like, well, crap, <laughs> this is worth staying for. I'm in it just to see who this guy is. And his name was Steve. And we talked a little bit throughout the concert as much as we could while being respectful. And by the end of the night, he's like, hey, I would love to take you out and got my number. And the next day we went on our first date and we were together every day we could be after that. Like if there was a possibility of us seeing each other, we were together. And so we met in February and we got married in December. We just were so happy together. And people always talk about like the first year of marriage is the hardest and then na, 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 na. And we just didn't experience that. It just felt easy and like it was just the next right step for us. And I say that, but about six months into our marriage, I pulled up our computer one day and all of this pornography starts popping up, which the pornography didn't surprise me. He already told me he looked at pornography, but it was all men. 
there were no women in sight. And I was like, okay, this, this could be something. And a lot of most straight men don't look at gay pornography. There's some that do, but I was like, my husband's probably gay. And I approached Steve at this point and I'm like, Hey, are you gay? I found all this pornography and he just felt horrible. He's like, I'm so sorry. All of these things. And I'm like, it's okay, but are you gay? And he's like, no, no, I'm not gay. And he now tells me, he's like the first, that was the first time I ever let myself think the words, I am gay. And he spiraled for like three weeks, like couldn't really talk to me. We couldn't really connect. And he was just spiraling in this thing of I'm gay, I'm gay and processing that in himself. But he still wasn't ready to accept that. He's like, I was in extreme denial. <laughs> like, Yes. Uh, a couple of years later, he was in counseling for some other things he was dealing with. He didn't like the fact he was looking at pornography. He's trying to tackle that and some other things. The counselor's like, okay, all of these things are issues, but the real issue is you're gay and you're not willing to accept that about yourself. Like until you embrace who you are, you can't deal with all these other issues. And so at that point, Steve was finally able to say to me, yes, I am gay. And we decided, you know, we're happy. We're, we enjoy each other. We have a pretty good sex life and all of these things. And so Everything felt right. And Steve also at that point, like he never saw his life any other way. There was no other right way for him to live his life, but for us to stay married and for him to conform to a heteronormative marriage and all of those things. And so we continued forward and we like in this process at this time, we're dealing with infertility treatments and stuff. Steve really wanted a kid. I I wanted a kid too, but I wasn't as like in as much of a hurry, but we had good insurance. So we went for it. As we're going through this, I'm like, this doesn't really change anything. We both want this kid, whatever. And I did end up getting pregnant and we had a child about five years into our marriage. So, but during this time, we're still processing, you know, what this looks like of Steve being gay. And he was getting more comfortable with it and being able to talk to me more. I I really wanted him to embrace it because I knew there was no way we could have a good relationship unless he was truly who he was. And so there were things like I talk about and people are like, what the heck? <laughs> but we would talk about guys like that we he saw at the store. If he thought a guy was attractive, he would tell me and tell me what he liked about him and things like that because I really wanted him, again, to just be who he was. And I wanted him to know, too, that he was loved, that he it was okay for him to be who he was. I still loved him. And at that point in his mind and in reality, outside of himself, I was the one most deeply impacted by this. Like it would have the greatest consequence on my life because we were married and you don't get married planning that for like, that's for a while. Like we're, I'm in this. <laughs> and as the years went on, he did eventually have an affair with a man. At that point, we were just like, a mess. It was trying to figure out how to deal with this. He wasn't sure what he wanted. He thought he would do it and be repulsed and feel horrible. And he's he's like, I felt horrible about the fact I did it and that I knew it was going to hurt you, but it felt like the most natural right thing I'd ever done. And so it was like this weird juxtaposition and we tried to work out. It was a hot mess. We ended up getting divorced and then Steve still, like he moved in with the man he had the affair with and he still was just like, Jessica, I can't leave you. I don't, this doesn't feel like it feels right, but it doesn't. So we ended up dating again after we got divorced and that was a complete shit show. Like, While he was yes. living with this guy? <laughs> no, he did end up leaving oh, him. Okay. And we, yeah, because I was like, okay, but I, like at that point I knew I wasn't open to like, I didn't want an open relationship. I didn't want like a polyamorous anything. And so I was like, and those were my boundaries. And Steve also, he's like, I'm not okay putting you in that situation. <laughs> so no, he broke up with him and we dated. There were like, he was having affairs with guys during that time and sleeping with other people and all of that. But, and we were just like, this just isn't healthy for anybody. We've made the right decision. Let's continue forward. But in that, we really, like, as we... <laughs> navigated our divorce, both of us had only seen one version of divorce that was very, you know, painful and angry and bitter and filled with hatred for years afterwards. And I was like, I don't want my life to look like that. I don't want to carry this bitterness and hatred through our lives. 
the first Christmas we were divorced, we actually like, I picked Steve up because he was living far away. I picked him up at the airport and we drove to his family's house and spent Christmas with his family's house as a divorced couple. And on that drive, we really kind of laid out how we wanted this to look. And our vision was that we could stay friends, that our daughter Penny, who was two at the time, could have parents that came together and could be in the same room. She didn't have to worry about, oh my gosh, my dad and mom are going to be together. How do I navigate this? All of those types of things. And we really wanted to be friends. So we just kind of put it out there in everything that we did, that we were going to be friends, that we were going to get along. And ideally, someday we would have partners that could be okay with this relationship. I got married very quickly and my husband just embraced Steve. Like he always says, I I love Steve. He's a part of our family. And I have been so grateful and humbled that I found a man who's confident enough and secure enough in our relationship to be able to understand how important this is to me and to my daughter. And Steve now in the last couple of years has a partner that has moved in with him who I just absolutely love and adore. And so it's been interesting to watch. And I say this like broad strokes, this is not an easy process. (laughs) And there was a lot of pain and hurt and learning along the way, but we have worked so hard to get here. And now we share our story with so many people so that they can see that there's options as well, because it just, we didn't see options of how divorce could look. And also the fact like Steve didn't leave me because he didn't love me. He left because of who he was, something we could not change. And so we ultimately found a way to still love and care about each other. I always say he's like a brother to me. I feel that deeply about him. It's not like exactly the same feelings, but it is that deep. And that's the way most people can understand our relationship. (laughs) Like, he's like my brother. We share a kid. I just care about him that much. Like, I care about him that deeply, so. When he admitted that he was gay or he was able to verbalize that to you and then you guys decided to remain married. Was there anything in the back of your mind that was like, this is not going to last long term because he's not living his truth, basically? Or did you even feel bad that he was having a difficult time living his truth or taking steps to be who he truly was or like what was going through your mind at that time? Yes. (laughs) Yes to all of it. Yeah. So I dove in at that point to reading books about what I now know as mixed orientation marriage. I didn't have terms for it at that point. In fact, not until like a few years ago did I realize that was the term for our marriage. So I started reading all these books of people who were mostly of our faith, who had been through similar things and realized there was a real solid chance he would have an affair and another chance that we would ultimately decide to get divorced. Like I knew that that was probably a possibility. I also thought we can beat the odds. Like there's the optimistic side of me that's like, yeah, but it's us and we can do this and all of those things. And so I wasn't scared of either version. I kind of felt at peace with either way. I knew either way was going to be hard and have its challenges. So I just kind of let it flow as it came. Now, going to Steve and I made it clear I never wanted Steve to stay because of me. And I knew he felt pressure to do that just because of the situation. But there was always conversations of, I wanted him to embrace who he was. He was the one that was so scared of that. And so I felt like I was given a gift to be able to help him love himself in a very safe space because he didn't come out to anybody. A year before we got divorced, he came out to his mom. But outside of that, nobody really knew. We had a couple friends. We had some people in a support group. But that was it. And so I just wanted him to know he was safe to be who he was. And while, yes, I wasn't okay with him sleeping with other people, I wanted him to explore as much as he could in a safe place. And my dad always says at this point, there's no way Steve could have known what he wanted or embraced who he was unless we'd gone through it the way we did. He's like, I don't blame him for having the affair. Like, it wasn't great. It sucks that that's the route it went. But also, I love that my dad feels this way, that he's like, he couldn't have confidently known you guys can't be together without this experience. Kudos to my parents for 
recognizing things like that and being able to change how they felt about Steve to be able to love him for not just hurting their daughter. So yeah, I mean, it carries all of those emotions and it's like such a weird dichotomy to be in of, I love this man. I want to be with him. Also, I know I can't fulfill all of his needs. Like I know we love each other, but also (laughs) we can't be together ultimately. It's conflicting thoughts. It's like the whole saying, you know, two things can be true at the same time. Like there's a lot of that going on. One of the quotes that I pulled from the Good Morning America article was when you said, I knew it wasn't about me. That stood out to me so much because I think a lot of people would have handled this whole situation in a different way. And almost looked at themselves as a victim and, you know, then projected anger onto the other person. And whereas you took a completely different approach and you knew, like, this is not about me, so how can I support this person that I do love? Can you speak a little bit about that? And, like, why do you think that that was your mindset? Obviously, your parents, you know, have a similar viewpoint, but where do you think that came from? I think this is a gift that's been instilled in me at a young age and an understanding that the more I do what is right for me and be truly myself, it gives me more space to love other people for who they are and detach this idea that it's about me because we make so much of life about us. So many things that other people do, we want to make about us. Our kids, how we raise them, how they act is our, it's about us. It reflects on us, which is honestly not true. I mean, yes, we have an influence. Yes, we get to support them, but what they ultimately do with their lives and how they act is their decisions. And same thing, I think, and again, like with our partners, we make everything about us or our parents or anybody in our life. If somebody chooses to live their life differently than us, for some reason, we think that's about us. And I think that, and I want to make clear, I felt those things. Like I was angry at times and I was pissed and and not necessarily at Steve, but at the situation or there were moments of anger at Steve, but I didn't let it last long because ultimately like I didn't want to give Steve the power to determine the trajectory of my life like yes he's an important person to me but I also knew I got to decide how I showed up and how I dealt with this and that I could make this whatever I wanted it to be I could see this as a gift because he ultimately couldn't give me what I needed in a relationship and I couldn't give him that and so It's a gift for us to go find all these things. But in the moment, it feels like pain and hurt. But I think that there's just, it's a process we can all come to. And if we want to move out of that, of feeling like, well, this is about me, 90% of, 95% of affairs of betrayal that happens in a relationship isn't directly about the other person. It's about our own crap that we're processing and dealing with. So I think when we can get to that standpoint, and I truly believe it comes from loving ourselves first and accepting what we want in life, then we can give other people more grace in acknowledging what it is they want and how they want to live their life, even when it it impacts us in, in huge ways sometimes. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We wanna get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. 
If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Can I ask what his mom's reaction was? Because to be honest, when I was reading the articles, I didn't realize that you guys had grown up in the Mormon church and you practiced that way. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. My first reaction was, while you have been a huge support for him, what was his family's reaction? So his mom, when he first came out, like she tried to understand and be supportive. I mean, she's trying to wrap her head around what, you know, what the heck? You're married to a woman. Like you're, I think we're six years into the marriage at that point. We seemed happy, which we were, but you can be happy and not have all the things fitting together. And so I think she she was supportive as much as she could be and tried to understand as much as she could. There's also like, especially within organized religion, like a savior mentality of, oh, I need to save you or, oh, I will support you so long as you're doing it the right way. And while she didn't directly express that, like, I know there was those feelings and thoughts there. Like she could fix him almost? Yeah, like there would be a way we could fix him and that it would be all right so long as he stayed in the marriage and did the right things and that stuff. And his mom is a saint. Like I love that woman and she has done her best in processing all of this. And it was a lot to throw on just her. Like this is just her that is carrying this, which I knew. I mean, it was just me for years carrying it. And there was a lot of kind of like, almost pity for me, which I really struggled with of, I'm so sorry you have to deal with this. And then I'm I'm like, I'm making a choice to stay. I'm very clear about the fact I do not have to stay. I have a choice here and I have chosen to stay. So whatever the outcome of this relationship is, I chose that on some level. And so I think for me, I struggled with the pity that was thrown my way, but she tried to be supportive. Now, when Steve and I, he did a couple weeks before we officially ended our marriage, he did tell his family he was gay. I don't remember if he told them about the affair. I would have to go check with him. But at that point, it was, we're staying together. And so the family is supportive, cheering us on. And then as soon as it came out that we were divorcing, it was, and that Steve was going to go be his authentic self, it did shift a lot. And there are still a lot of issues with his dad they're trying to navigate. There's some in the past that had come up with like in the family in general, but for the most part, his siblings have tried to embrace him and be understanding. And he's been respectful of their time needing to process this of like, I know this is a big shift and it's far from what you've been taught in our religion. But at this point, his siblings are supportive and by his side, they've all met his partner. They've welcomed him into their homes. And so there's been a lot of shift and change over the past 11 years since we've been divorced. And and they were on board. But like, <laughs> I also want to be 
clear in the beginning, I, I, we were living in Oklahoma and I had, we owned a house in Boise and I was driving home to Boise. That's where my parents were. We had just moved to Oklahoma. I couldn't be there. Like I didn't have support. And Steve knew that too. He's like, you need to go. And so I got in my car and this still makes me emotional thinking about it with our two-year-old daughter. She was almost two and drove across the country by myself. Now, my people offered to come drive with me, but I was like, I got to do this on my own. And it was a long drive. My car kept breaking down. I like my kid was super sick, but she was just an angel through the whole thing, which I always say is a gift too. And I pulled into Park City to visit my brother and stay with him a couple nights. And my car's like struggling to get there. And it felt like peace and safety. And I get a call from Steve's family the next morning and they're like, hey, we are going to hold an intervention for Steve. He won't be here, but we need to talk about this and figure out basically their mindset still was like, and, and some of them, the mindset was, how can we save him? Some of them, it was, how can we support him? And I was just like, I remember just being like, oh shit, like I am so emotionally and physically run down, but I need to be there for Steve and for myself and for my daughter. Like, this is her dad. They're like, it's tonight. We're going to do this tonight in Idaho Falls. So I'm like, okay, get in the car again. And I drive to their house and I brought books with me to like, I picked up books along the way that were supportive to me and in this process. And I was like, well, maybe there'll be some support to them. And I remember sitting there on this couch and I was invited to share, you know, what I found, what I learned over the years, how we could support him. And I just kept telling him like, all he needs is your love. Like that's, he's honestly, he's dealing with suicidal ideation at this point. He needs you to love him. That's all he needs. Nothing else. It ended with Steve's dad telling me that I was full of crap, that I had enabled this that this goes against all of the teachings of our church, which what I taught was directly from what our church was taught, like what I shared with them. It was totally in line with what we believe. I went to the garage and just bawled. Like I just sobbed. And I was like, I have to go home to my parents tonight. So I got in the car again and drove home. But I mean, that's like how things started off. That's to give you an example of like the starting point of where they were at. And I felt like I walked everybody through our divorce. <laughs> I'm catching people up and supporting them along the way. And it was a interesting experience, but I also had to remind myself, I've had seven years of processing this. It was six months into our relationship that I figured out he was probably gay and started processing then. And now everybody else, we just threw this on them and it's okay if it takes them time. I can give them time, but also making sure I'm showing up for myself in that process too. There were times I'm like, I will not have this conversation right now or I, whatever. Like there were lots of boundaries, but, but I also felt like I got to help walk people through our divorce. It's a weird feeling to go through. Was there someone that you could go to for support? Like who was helping you through all of this? So I had some support groups that I was a part of. At that point, they were all church sponsored and but they were incredibly helpful and especially in the fact that I could see what I had already done like the healing I had already accomplished and how I could help other women who were you know just at that disclosure day we call it d-day of just finding out something hard in their relationship and it wasn't just women who had had a partner come out it was all across the board and helping them find ways forward and so it kind of gave me a space to not only heal but also to feel, there was purpose behind this that I could help other people. And I mean, my parents were there to help in what ways they could. It, they were a little bit behind. I remember my mom going shopping with me to get things for my house. <laughs> and we're in the aisle at Walmart and I needed like a strainer, like a pasta strainer. And she just lost it. You don't even have a strainer. And like just loses it in the middle of Walmart. I'm like, okay, process through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know this is not about, about the, the strainer, strainer. <laughs> <laughs> but take a few minutes, mom, and then we can move on. And like, just, but they were there for me too. Of moments I said, like, I need a night to myself or I need to go on a long run 
I'm bringing Penny over right now. And they'd be like, bring her over. Like, we'll take her anytime. And just things like that that were really helpful. And friends that I would call and say like, hey, Penny's in bed and I just need people here with me. And they would show up like at my house. And I appreciate their husbands too, our partners and who would take their kids and be like, go. And so I did have support along the way at that point. And people who knew, like some nights I'd be like, I don't want to talk about anything heavy. Like tonight's not that. I just want to be here and have fun. And so there was, even though I was helping people through at the same time, they also respected my boundaries of when I could handle talking about things and support them. And also when I was like, not today, (laughs) not today. So it went both ways for sure. As somebody who... I'll be completely honest. I don't know anything about almost any religion. I was surprised to read in, I think it was the Today Show article, that you are still... So Stephen or Steve had left the Mormon church, and you are still a part of the church, and that you raise your daughter, who is also Stephen's daughter, that way as well. So that shocked me. My first thought when I read that was... Does he feel slighted or upset that his daughter is a part of a church that doesn't accept her dad? Yeah. So there's lots of ways to kind of think about how our religion actually views Steve. And I am of the very liberal, left-leaning side of this, obviously, of there could be a place. But honestly, at So even since that Today Show article, I should say this, it's been like three years, my thoughts and feelings have shifted a lot. And the way Penny is raised in the church is not like, she rarely goes to church. Like at this point she goes, she's 13. I'm like, she doesn't want to get up at nine o'clock and it's not a fight I'm willing to fight. Like, I don't care that she's there. I don't care if she has the same beliefs as me. I don't like, it's not important to me. What is important is she learns to love herself. I do love the idea of believing in some sort of higher being or universe or whatever. Like there's, there's a force here, energy that supports us and that's aware of us. So I like that idea, but ultimately, I mean, we've been having talks since she was like five, four of, there are going to be things said at church that we that you won't agree with that might feel hard, and you don't have to believe that. Or it might be interpreted by you a way that feels hurtful, and therefore it's not for you. This isn't a one-size-fits-all, as we often try to put that on people in religion. And so you get to pick the parts that feel right. And I also, from day one, have made it clear that we love and support her dad over anything. Like that is, he is a good man. There's so many people we love outside of the church. Like this doesn't make anything good or bad. It doesn't make anybody a good person or a bad person. It doesn't mean anything. It's just simply how I believe that you, she does not need to believe that way. Or we get to believe differently even than the people within our church. Now, that being said, I truly believe that our church does and says some very hurtful things to the LGBTQ community. I also believe that in with so many things, like with women, I think there's issues there of patriarchy and which is also in society at large. That's one of the things I've realized as I've done this work is yes, it's within the church, probably more extreme than somewhere else. But the women that I work with, I coach women who have had a partner come out or who have experienced betrayal in their relationship. 80% of them are not religious. Like it's not that their husbands were raised religious and didn't feel safe coming out. And that tells me that this is an issue with our society in general is that we're still not there. And yes, it's getting better ideally with our kids and younger generations that they're feeling more safe to be who they were created to be, who they were born as. But religion is obviously slower to get there and slower to embrace those things. And I hope that we can do that. And part of the reason I stay in my religion, first of all, I do have beliefs that I love. The organized religion itself, there are definite things that I struggle with, but I love the community and I love that I can be a safe space for people who are in that community, who are having a hard time seeing another way their life can be lived, who think that there's nobody there who is going to love them if they come out. Like, 
I make it clear I'm a safe space. I am very vocal. I'm sure sometimes there are a lot of people in our church community that are like, Jessica, (laughs) you are way out there. And I'm okay with that. I've just realized that's my spot here. And, and I can be there for those people who need that safe place, who don't feel safe in their church and don't see anybody else who's providing that for them. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Did you receive backlash from the church just because of your situation that you're in and that you are so supportive of Steve or like, do people treat you differently? No. Not that I let myself notice. I'm (laughs) sure. (laughs) And that's just the honest answer is I have made a very conscious choice in my life to let go of what other people think of me. I have never really fit the mold of a good, like what you would visually think of as a good Mormon girl. Now, that being said, I've been very straight edge for the most part in my standards and religious beliefs and whatever. Those are getting a little looser as we get older, but I've always had funky hair. I've always dressed differently than like a typical Mormon girl. Like I've always just been me within my religion and just decided I didn't care what people said or if they looked at me weird or whatever, because I knew the power at a young age of how that created safe space for other people. And not only did I feel good, I was giving other people a space to feel safe. And so I am sure there are people who have real issues with the fact that I speak up and that I say things. And sometimes, I mean, yeah, sometimes you can't help but notice people are like squirming in their seats a bit or whatever. And I just, that's their issue to process through. It's not mine. And if they don't want me there, somebody can tell me and I'll be like, fine, that's fine. But at this point, I've never had anybody ask me to leave I've never had anybody say, oh, you're too much or you're too loud. In fact, most of the time I receive the opposite of people who come up to me and are like, thank you so much for speaking out about this. Or I just posted something on Instagram, like the old women at church. I show up like I've had a shaved head. I have crazy hair. I show up in all of my color and like brightness every Sunday. I love dressing up. So it's fun for me to wear dresses and like just 
have fun. It's like a form of art for me, really. And the ladies at church are always like, I just love seeing what you're going to wear this week. And I wish I could have done this when I was a kid, or I wish I would have felt more comfortable being who I was, which breaks my heart. But I'm glad that they're seeing that now, that there's space for that. And I know not everybody gets this in their organized religion or within my church or anything. But for me, I've received that for the most part. And again, if somebody's going to say negative things about me, I just choose not to remember it. I just like blot it out. I'm like, I'm not going to be offended for the most part. And also recognize, make a mental note that that person's not a safe place for me. And that's okay. Not everybody is. So do you think, because I imagine living life how you live life and how you view life and it's not the norm in the Mormon church. So why are you this way? Is it your parents? I ask myself this a lot. I also... (laughs) Why am I this way? (laughs) Because I want to help other people because I see the benefits of some of the things I do. Not that I am by any means perfect, but it has allowed me to live a life that's very fulfilling and been able to help and support other people. I think partially I just came this way. Like, this is just me. And again, I had parents who were supportive of me being myself. And while they raised me with pretty, like, you know, to the world, to society standard, pretty strict straight standards, or, you know, things ideally how I would live my life, they also supported me in being myself at key times in my life. I remember my dad, so my business is called The Bold Logic I have a framework that's all about being boldly you in healing through betrayal, through having your partner come out. My whole goal is for you to find who you are and be yourself. So it's called be bold, boldly you, all of those types of things. My dad growing up used to tell me to be, be, which meant be bold. He would always say, be, be, Jessica, just be, be. And he would tell me this in, when I was making decisions, like, Big decisions, small decisions, it didn't matter. It was just a signal to me to do what felt right for me and act on that. And they put a lot of trust in me. And so I did like, and I, so therefore I wanted to live into who they supported me to be. And it felt right to me. It made sense to me. But also, like, I know I've pushed their boundaries a lot of times of like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) how I show up. But they always just went with it. Like, even though I know they've been unsure, like when I freaking dated my ex-husband again, it was like, I mean, I, they were horrified and scared and whatever. I'm like, I don't care if this works out or not. I have to go through this process. And they were like, okay, like, what are they going to do? They can fight me on it or they can be there supporting me along the way. And I think that's just the mindset they took. And so, yes, I think that facilitated me being able to be myself and lay aside other people's opinions because I knew I could trust myself. My parents taught me that. And so, yeah, I think that's partially I came this way and partially it's my parents. I've, and the reason I've thought so much about it is also too, because I've wondered, am I the way I am because I'm trying to be rebellious in some way? Like, am I trying to go against the grain or something. I'm like, no, this is just who I am. There's nothing to do with trying to prove a point or being in people's faces. It's just me. So you mentioned the bold logic. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And I, as I was reading about it, I was thinking about the parallels between obviously a lot of listeners of this podcast are moms. Most of them have little kids. And I feel like that is a period of many women's lives where they kind of lose themselves. They don't fill their own cup. They feel like life, even though it's like, I'm obsessed with my child. I would never change anything. Like you're not fulfilled all the time. People stop doing things that they did before kids that, you know, fulfilled them, that they enjoyed. So can you tell us a little bit about the bold logic and then maybe give advice to people who are listening who feel like they're not living at their potential or they want to make a change in their life? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I really teach about in working with women who have gone through betrayal or had a partner come out, we have given up who we are. Starting at a young age, we are told you shouldn't feel that way or you're fine. You'll be fine. And all of these things. And so we're taught that 
we don't know what's right for us. Our feelings aren't real. And it starts young, innocently. Like our parents don't mean to do that to us. And our teachers don't mean to do that to us, but they are subconsciously teaching us that we can't trust what we're feeling. And then we get into junior high and high school and it's like, that's thrown everywhere of, I need to be like this person. I need to be like, nothing about me is good or right. And so it starts young and then we hit motherhood or even marriage either way. And you're right. It's multiplied and it's laid upon because we need to show up for these children. We need to show up for our partner. We need to suppress who we are and what it is we need because they are the most important thing in our lives. And yes, they are. They are a hundred percent the most important thing in our life. And we love them dearly and fiercely. But if we are not creating space to be who we are, we are teaching them the same cycle that they can't be fully who they are. We talk about like perfect partner syndrome in my groups. And the same thing is like being the perfect mom of we are giving up what actually feels right to us because we see somebody else doing it differently and we think their way must be the right way. And it's that mom guilt and the Pinterest mom and all of that crap. And you know what? Some years, some days, I am the Pinterest mom. Like, I'm like, I am crushing this. And other days, I'm like, go eat your cereal and popcorn and don't bother me for the rest of the day. And that's okay because they get to see that some days we are on fire and we get to do all of the things and we get to feel really present and connected to our kids. And other days, we need to take time for ourselves and connect back to ourselves. Like, my daughter, I'm like, you get to take days and go sit in your bedroom and do nothing. I don't care. Like, it's okay. I don't want that to be every day. Like, yes, we need to figure out how to balance that out. But but the days you want that, you would get to embrace that. And the days you feel like it's too much to go to school or too much to show up with friends, that is fine. Like, you get to take a break just because, because some days I know I need that break too. And so I think the more we can model that for our children, it again creates that safety to allow them to be who they are, to naturally say, hey, this is something I want and feel. And you can talk through that conversation with them, even when sometimes it feels scary because it's not what we envisioned for their lives. But my life surely isn't what my parents envisioned for me. In fact, it's not what I envisioned for me, but it is the best thing. Like, I love my life and all of the hard times that I've been through and the gifts now that I get to give and share with other women. Like, it's all powerful. And so I think, you know, for the moms who are losing themselves, it's time to claim yourself back. It's time to connect back to you. And here's one of the things you asked for, like, one action step. (laughs) This is what I tell people is I give the women in my groups a challenge from day one. It's called a trust your gut challenge. And it is to listen to yourself and hear what it is you want and act on it. And every day they have to report back into, like, our, our group and say what it is they did. And it can be, I wore the dang shirt I wanted to wear. I put on the article of clothing I want to put on, which some of us are afraid to do that. I mean, think of junior high. We are conditioned to dress a certain way because that's what was cool or that's what's appropriate. And yes, appropriateness, you can take that into consideration, but you can still wear what you want to wear. And that can be like getting the food you want to get, like eating the meal you want to eat because we push so much of that aside that these are actually hard things for us to embrace and to find. And the more you listen to that little voice inside of you on these little things every day, the more you're going to be like, oh my gosh, it is telling me that this thing is not right for my kid. Even though everything otherwise that I've read, that I've seen feels right for my kid or for me, I'm going to trust that this isn't the right time or the right place or the right setting. And gosh dang it, you're right. And it's like, I tell them, if you feel like somebody's lying to you, you're right. If you feel like your partner's not being honest, you're right. Like you might not know what it's about. You might have assumptions. You don't have to know. But because your gut is telling you something isn't okay or it's not appropriate, you know. And again, the more you act on it in the little things, the easier it is to hear it in these big ways as you're going through something hard or when there's a big decision to make and you're like, I feel this, but everything else, everybody else is telling me I shouldn't do it this way, but I really know I should. I really know that's what I need. Act on it. And you will feel like this relief of like knowing you've come to yourself. 
Did you ever go to therapy? I've done a little bit of therapy throughout my life. The hardest part of this whole thing for me has been going into step parenting and co-parenting with my husband's ex. And that's when I lost myself. Like that is wait, wait, wait. Your current husband's your current, my current husband's, husband's ex-wife. Ex. They have children? Yes. So I have two stepkids. So I have my daughter's 13. I have a daughter, a stepdaughter that's 14 and a stepson, or sorry, 15 and a stepson that's 16. So we've got like <laughs> some tight ages going on. Teenagers. Yes. And they're great. But that is when I lost myself, like really forgot to lean into being bold, to being boldly who I am and was giving up all of the things because I needed to prove myself to his ex. I needed to prove myself to him. I needed to prove myself to his kids. And that I was doing that at the expense of not only myself, which is at the expense of everybody else, because then I'm not happy, but I was doing it at the expense of my relationship with my daughter, because I felt like I had something to prove to these other people. She knew I loved her. Like she knew, but, and, and she was fine. And we, worked through it. But like, that's what I started to realize is that I'm giving up this precious time that I have with my kid, which you have half of a lot of times when you're divorced. And I was like, I can't give this up. Like it's already, she's already growing fast. It's limited. And ultimately I I did leave my husband at one point. I was like, I am done. I can't do this anymore. I am out. And I left for, it was just a weekend. But I remember in that weekend being like, I know him and I are really good together and I really want to stay with him. And if that's what I really want, I have to go back to showing up for me. I have to start setting these boundaries, these little boundaries one by one and, and embracing that. And more often than not, he was super supportive. There are a few that he questioned at one point, but he would be like, you know, let's see how this goes. And then he would see how it made things better for my relationship with him, my relationship with his kids, my relationship with his ex-wife, who I just don't talk to anymore. Like that's the boundary. We will communicate at kids' events. So I also like to put this in there. We have very different experiences with co-parenting on both sides. There is no one right way to do this that's a healthy relationship for your kids. This is the healthiest relationship for my husband and for my stepkids is for us to communicate through email. And she does not communicate with me. If she sends me a text, I will show it to my husband because it's usually pretty vicious. (laughs) And then I delete it. I don't respond. I don't get into the dirt. I just delete it and walk away. And so I want people to know, like, there's no one right way. Like, yes, this is cool. If you can have it, it's not necessary. But that's when I lost myself. That's when I, and the more I came back to me, the better things got with everybody. And I've watched it now, like, my stepdaughter, who's 15, has like is coming to herself and like realizing she gets to be okay being her. And she lives with us full time now, which I absolutely love. I mean, it breaks my heart that she doesn't want to be with her mom, but it's just a reality of being a teenager. Like you just need a house, like you need a, one spot. And she chose to come be with us. But I watch as she's feeling more confident in setting boundaries and being okay with who she is. And I'm like, that's one of my gifts that I know I've been able to support her on and give her. And if there's anything I can give my kids, especially my girls, it is that, that your voice matters, that what you want matters, and you get to speak up in that way. And so coming back to you and putting that work in is the greatest thing you will ever do for your kids. And what was it like when your ex-husband was with somebody else because you do have a daughter together. And I feel like that would be one of the hardest parts of divorce and then co-parenting is when your ex gets a new partner. And then you know that your child is going to be around that person. How did that go? It was a lot of trusting Steve and just saying, I support you. I know you're going to do what's best for our daughter. And people always ask us like, when should you introduce your kid to their partner? Because my husband's, my ex has been dating this person for two weeks and they want to introduce him. I'm like, listen, we thought we would have a set timeline for that. And ultimately it came down to Steve gets to trust his gut on when that's the right time for Penny. And I get to trust my gut on when that's the right time. And I was worried that when Steve actually had a committed partner, like there was a huge part of Penny's life, like his boyfriend Jalen is now, that I would go into like some form of jealousy or, you know, but 
but she's getting this from him and he's making her meals because he does. And I'm like, I am so full of gratitude for this person who takes care of my daughter. Like what is the harm in more people loving her? And I know that it's hard to let go of that, but I'm like, dang it. At least I know this man is feeding her and he goes and plays basketball with her. He doesn't even play basketball. He's never played in his life, but he like goes and plays with her for hours at the park next to their apartment. And like, I, I want that ultimately, like ultimately I want her to be at her dad's house and be happy and loved and all of those things. Now, if I had a huge concern about Steve's partner, the gift in mine and Steve's relationship is that Steve would listen to me. He would like, if I said, Hey, the Penny's saying this, or I'm really uncomfortable with this, Steve trusts my gut and he trusts his own. And so there's a, there's a power in being able to be close to your partner like that. And when you don't feel that safety, which we have felt again on the other side of things, you do have to still trust your ex and you have to trust your kids. You have to trust that you've created a safe space for your kids to be open with you about, hey, ah, I don't feel good here. This, These are things that are going on. And if they can't tell you at that time, you hope that they tell you later on and you can give them the support they need at that point. But I mean, sometimes you just don't have a choice. My stepdaughter at one point said, why did my dad keep letting me go back to my mom's house? And I'm like, oh, honey, <laughs> he had no choice. And she knows that. She's like, I know. And her mom is a genuinely good person. There's just a lot that's going on in that home. And we can't do anything about that. And there was no direct abuse. There's no like any of those things. And I'm like, you just got to learn through that. And until you found your own voice, we couldn't like intervene. Trust that your kids are going to find their voice. Like there's just a lot. And my heart goes out to all of the people, step-parenting, co-parenting, but you can create a healthy, safe place for your kids in your home. And that's the biggest, greatest thing you can do. Okay, this has been an incredible conversation. Like, holy geez, the value that comes out of your mouth. I love everything that you've said today. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. There's so much value, even if someone's not going through the exact same situation. Like, just for people living life in general, there's just so much that we can learn from your story. Do you follow Linda Fruits? When I was reading your story, it made me think of her because we were just out for lunch in like February or something, my husband and I went to Miami and I was telling her like, it's so awesome that she shares her story because you don't hear enough about blended families that work and that are super supportive. And you know what? It's like, we always talk about how we don't have villages anymore to raise kids. And it's like, well, here's a perfect example of <laughs> a being able to have a village. Yes. So yeah, I just love, I saw they wrote up an article about her story in People Magazine, I think. And I was like, oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah, I remember I found her right about the time she came out. I found her just before that. And then she came out and I was like, oh, honey, <laughs> like, I, know, I know how this goes. And so we've connected a lot through DMs and stuff. Oh, I love it's, that. It's been incredible to watch her story as well. And And I agree, there's just so much to learn about relationships that that's what it comes down to. And knowing ourselves is ultimately the base of all of that is we get to show up boldly in our relationships when we show up boldly for ourselves. And there's power in that. And if people are wondering, how do I start trusting my gut? Where can I start? I do have a free workbook that you can go pick up. And it's just a basic way to start trusting your gut so that you can hear that inner voice and act on it. You have to act. That is the key because then it like, trains your brain that I hear this, I act. And it's a good thing. It's not a scary thing. I don't have to go to fight and flight. I can act. So you can get that at theboldlogic.com forward slash free workbook if you are interested. So yeah. And so before I let you go, can you just tell us where people can find you on social media and then also about your podcast? Yes. So social media, I am on TikTok, Instagram. I'm the most active on Instagram. That's like my that's my favorite platform. <laughs> We've just started into the others. But all of the things, Facebook at Hey Jessica Fru, that is me. 
And then our podcast is called Husband in Law. And that is the name we coined from a dream Steve had actually, where he was trying to introduce my new husband to somebody because you always say, well, it's my friend, it's my, you know, coworker, or it's my sister-in-law. And he's like, how do I introduce Matt? <laughs> and so he he's like, this is my husband-in-law. And so that's now... <laughs> what they call each other, but Steve and I and Matt, so my husband and ex-husband, we sit down and tell our stories from when Steve and I met until present day and just go through and share all of that of love, marriage, divorce, coming out, co-parenting, all of the things so that people feel less alone because we know how lonely it can feel to go through anything in life. It is a little different than most podcasts, so you'll probably want to start with episode one and get the timeline of all of the crazy stories. There's some things that I'm like, I'm like, my life's normal. And then I start listening to some of our stories. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we've done some crazy things. So, <laughs> so yeah, you can find us there. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And obviously we will keep in touch. Yeah. Thanks for having me.